Laura Promfritt's journey from financial distress to success in overcoming debt is hardly the end of the story. It becomes much more moving when she teams up with her sister, Holly Holland, to form Financial. It's an outfit that is absolutely changing the way people relate to finance, help each other, and bypass the institutions that have for too long tried to sell things to people first and then pretend that they care next. It's a freewheeling conversation this week, and leading it, we have the two Ds on Dave and Darm Demystify. From the studios of NMD Plus in the UK and US comes the Dave and Darm Demystify show. Dave and Darm Demystify Show, making sense of the world of fintech and digital finance. Sit back and listen as the two Ds take a subject and chat it through to make it clearer and easier to understand. And now, here are your hosts, Dave Wallace and Darm Mystery. Demystify. Welcome everybody to this week's show. And this week we have Laura and Holly from Financial. Have I pronounced that right? Just I want you to have. check. Excellent. Laura and Holly, do you want to give us a bit of an introduction to yourselves and tell us a bit about what Financial is looking to do? We would love to. So we're sisters, family business, and we run Financial, which is a financial wellness community. That's the easiest way to describe it. Born a couple of years ago as an anonymous Instagram account, um, maybe ranting about personal finance a little bit, but finding a space of people that talk and collaborate and share and need help and give help. And it's grown into something you know much bigger. We're now global. We've got members in lots of different countries and we all centre around something that we produced last year, which is the Financial Playbook. So we produced a step-by-step guide to being financially well. We believe in wellness before wealth and we think it's something that has been missing for a long time although you know we might come on to that but wellness is being used as a a bit of a beard in the finance space we believe at the moment and actually people aren't properly focusing on the individual and what they need and we think that's what we try to do so we run it together um is there anything i've missed holly no i don't think so a lot of people who might come to our platform might think that we are influencers. I think that's like a bit of a buzzword at the moment. You'll see us, our platforms are our social media, but I think we've discussed it previously. That's where people are going for content at the moment. Um, that's how people access information, even from changing a light bulb on YouTube, you know, to they're investing in portfolio stocks and that type of thing. So that's our home at the moment and where you'll probably find us. Fantastic. I'm really interested that you started this off as a kind of sideline or a hobby, did you? I mean, what were the things that you were getting so annoyed about, which triggered you to actually get on social media and start ranting? Uh, yeah, anonymously as well. I was so brave to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so brave. So money is such a taboo, isn't it? It really is something that on a real life level, 
we don't talk about, you know, we don't talk about salaries. We don't talk about how much money we have. We don't talk about money problems, which, you know, can lead to best case negative relationships and negative stress. And worst case, people have serious mental health issues as a result of money. So I had been on my own money journey on a personal level. You know, I'm a qualified lawyer by profession, have been very lucky to have had support from parents and also a really good salaried job for a graduate. Never had any money never had any money. It was the minute I got my first salary, I opted out of my work pension scheme because I wanted the money for myself. No one told me otherwise. And I did the city centre living, out for dinners, out for drinks, best gym in Manchester and nice clothes. I'm a lawyer, I need to look good, da 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 da. And fast forward like five years of that, you eventually think, where is this going? I work so hard and I have nothing to show for it. So I went on my own money journey and started to break things down into smaller chunks. So I'd never felt well when I was chasing wealth. But when I thought actually would make me feel more well, if I didn't have debt, when I keep seeing these debt payments go out, they were manageable, you know, thankfully for myself, but car payments and credit card payments and overdraft last week of every single month, but a decent earner. This isn't the way, but no one's helping me. Martin Lewis was helping me with deals and little tips and tricks, but he wasn't helping me with strategy. I was so lost. And so I did a lot of research and started to break it down bit by bit and felt myself getting more and more financially well. So fast forward, you know, eight years later, I found Instagram on maternity leave when I was bored. And I love money. I love talking about money. I love giving my view to people. And like I had a platform and I guess that's where we've come to. Creators have platforms to share the piece on whatever it's health or fitness or makeup you know these micro communities sprung up and the kind of things that I was talking about was what we do now to this day and Holly's like taking this to the next level in fact she pushes the boundaries more than sometimes I wanted to and she helps me do that because of my risk averse personality but talking about car finance do you know how they make money do you know how it all works whether it's good or bad do you actually understand Um, buy now pay later is a big one for us at the moment actually telling people that you can live a debt-free life and I know it's not normal but you can in those direct terms I always describe it as if you know I'm your friend that tells you that your boyfriend doesn't like you anymore and you're much better off without him because he's absolute rubbish and let's go and we'll have a cocktail and you'll have a really good night and we'll leave that in the past I felt like that was my role but the minute someone who I knew followed me I just died and I thought I have to just delete this account because I could be offending them like they might have lots of debt and think why is she thinking like this so it started there and then as I got more and more confident and as it resonated with people and you get this kind of positive stories back saying I read this and this meant I took this action and now I feel amazing just meant actually we have to get this to a lot more people. Several years ago on Facebook some young kid posted their bank statement and said, look, I can't afford to go out tonight, right? And, you know, it went around all of the banks and the bankers like, oh my gosh, look, millennials are now posting their bank statements. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know? It then struck me that, you know, attitudes to money was changing, but it surprises me that you didn't feel comfortable necessarily to talk to friends and family about it. Do you think people still find it difficult? Is that still the case? Obviously, we're sisters. We're very close-knit family. When Laura started on her money journey, I honestly think we all used to look at her and think she's absolutely lost the plot. So when Laura's talking about 
exploration and research into money journey and tips and tricks and how to like strip it all back she started with like money envelopes she went out for dinner and she'd be getting the cash envelopes out and I think there's like a quote you know people will think you're insane and then they'll ask you how you did it uh, get the sense that everybody in our family was like oh Laura's just done this you know journey she went vegan for a month as well she'll tell you about that later but yeah we thought it was like a bit of a fad but actually she was just exploring and researching so I think it was difficult for her to talk about it at first and you could tell she was like slowly slowly catching monkey and you know we all then followed so now you know you've got my mum and dad coming to her saying what do you think we should do about our pension and then you know our auntie is on a money journey she's a single person living in rented accommodation what shall I do about my pension you know people then start to see how well law is feeling and how confident she talks about money to our parents and they're then asking for her help so I think at first Laura definitely was a little bit embarrassed to talk about it but then when she started to show the effects of you know this research and these skills and this methodology then people are desperate to know like what's the secret it's when someone loses weight you know oh my god you look amazing how did you do that so this is how the playbook came to be and it came about actually during the pandemic people were in crisis mode me and Laura used to work at a travel company very successful um a thousand plus self-employed travel agents suddenly their business had gone overnight and they were having to pay back money that they'd been paid months before due to commission structure you know Laura couldn't keep up with hundreds of people direct messaging her every day or emailing her saying I'm in financial distress you know these are people that have got really good solid businesses but outgoing sky high car finance you know children at private school after school activities you know big lavish holidays that they'd paid for with then no money so that's how the playbook came to be in the form that it is at currently at the moment in this digital pdf because laura needed to get it down on paper and get it out to as many people and scale it you know we needed to help people in the crisis i think that's amazing i mean gosh it's made me sort of sit here and i've got slight bumps on the back of my neck because i think well actually that's what it's all about isn't it you know going back to this whole thing about family and talking about money with family the whole money journey for a lot of us just starts very badly because we don't talk to anybody we slip into stuff and then you just sort of arrive at various destinations and instead of doing that in a controlled way it's all out of control but i think i don't know money just happens around most people without them kind of engaging with it they don't know what it feels like to pay off a debt they don't know what it feels like put money aside and see that money grow and there's a real gap around all of this stuff and it's you know it's great to see people like yourselves come in and start filling that gap legacy banks talk about that there's no content really that you will find i'm with a legacy bank with a disruptor bank if you would like as well so i'm starling and i'm halifax halifax do not speak to me in any way any type of you know digital communication i'm on no journey with them they don't talk to me about you know junior ices for my children i don't think they'll even know if i've got children there's no personalization and there's no talking to specific demographics i don't think the content is very generic and we kind of like lifting the lid on how these banks exist. So Laura's very passionate about credit score. So obviously a lot of people in our community are looking to buy a house. We've got a lot of single women looking to buy a house on these amazing journeys, building up these amazing, you know, pots. But they're saying, I've done so well on financial in terms of my journey that I don't have a credit card. So my credit score's low. How am I going to buy a house? Now that is just crazy. In 2021, you need a credit card in order to get a house deposit. I'm going to not defend the banks, but explain them a yes. little bit in that, you know, you've got hundreds of years where banking was a physical thing. You went to a person in a tea shop and then you did a transaction and that became suddenly a branch. 
and then you know the more branches you had the bigger the bank you were because you could reach your clients and that was the only way you could transact money was to go in and out of a bank and they kept it safe for you right but as we transition to the digital world we try to push stuff to a self-serve model but what we forgot is that digital gives us a kind of a reach that we don't need to have physical local presence anymore and that necessitates a resegmentation of banking now the problem for banks is that they've got away with mass market marketing yeah. right and so my x million customers i only have to print one set of brochures for all of them whether you're a student a housewife or a retired person if you've got this account it's the same brochure right and you've got to think that sometimes if you go across the pots of financial products like loans credit cards accounts mortgages etc then you've got some person in the branch that needs to know most of these things right because somebody comes in and says well you sell this you know can you explain it to me and finding those people that really understand right is partly a problem what i think is missing at the moment and is a real opportunity and i think people like the kind of stuff that you're doing fills this gap is that in the resegmentation of banking you can centralize the knowledge digitally and reach people you know right through the country or globally so now you have chosen a niche but actually that niche is massive and it's digitally enabled and that's the transition that banks have failed to make all of this rubbish about why the startup banks or the digital banks aren't really succeeding because there isn't a business model that really drives the underlying premise right the premise was lower cost of running a bank and providing a nice digital interface well everyone's got a nice digital interface now so what and that's why they're struggling to make real margin on money but i think if you can focus on a niche and it seems like your niche is definitely something that is needed right how you monetize that is going to be quite interesting Tom, you're so right. I think one of the things that they're all missing is a sense of community again. So you can build community online. The other thing is trust. And that is not all their fault, although, you know, it's well documented why people have mistrust with banks. But we find women don't take action for two reasons. One, because they don't understand it fully. So men are more likely to jump in even if they don't understand it fully. That doesn't mean women are less likely to understand it. Because they don't, or the material or the access to stuff just isn't quite there, they then don't engage. So then women don't invest and they don't increase their pensions and they don't shop around their credit cards as often. But they do, they just want more information to be able to make a decision. The second thing is accessibility to it. So a lot of sophisticated financial advice when it comes to products is delivered in a salesy way by banks or by white middle-aged middle-class male who charges a lot of fee. And we've had instances where we've interviewed men and women about their experiences with their financial advisors. And they talk about fund performance, but not your goals and not how you're feeling. And so I think there's a real opportunity to look at content that builds trust and that doesn't just jargon bust. Like if I say another jargon busting thing, I'll go crazy. Like this isn't a definitions class. It's not jargon that you break down that will help me convert. It's understanding in a context of my life (laughs) and how it means to me. But that's why, you know, I love the money journey stuff because it's about the context of your life. You know, life meanders in different directions, doesn't it? I would summarize that you describe personal finance as 10% finance, 90% personal. I think the industry looks at it as 99% finance and 1% personal, (laughs) you know, and I think that's the real kind of difference. 
And that's where, you know, honestly, they have to come to the party because what's happening, I think, is there's a tremendous amount of transparency. There's people like you who are kind of out there challenging the industry. The industry has to come and say, well, this is a massive change for us. We haven't had to deal with this previously. And to Dom's point, I mean, we spent the last <laughs> 25 years digitizing banks. And what's that? That's fluffing processes and putting them on mobile phones. And I've put my hand up in the past and said, well, shouldn't we think about helping people? <laughs> We've been the ones that have been taking the personal out of banking, right? Because actually the self-serve part of it really removed the personal out of banking. You know, before digital banking and the internet, you went into a branch and most of the time, somebody in that branch knew you. They knew bits about your life, right? And what was going on. And that was part of the building trust and understanding you, right? Certainly when I took out my first loan in the bank, I had to go to the branch manager. I had to explain, I was helping my father pay for my sister's wedding. Oh, okay. And so I said, look, I need this money for this <laughs> wedding. And he said, well, you're not getting married. What you're doing is you're buying a car. And I said, no, I'm not buying a car. I'm getting away. He goes, well, if you want the loan, you're buying a car, right? Uh, you want a car. <laughs> you don't get that anymore. And it started to shift as soon as you went down the call center route and then the self-serve on the internet banking side of it. And this thing, this gap is like knowledge, knowledge about you and your needs at that moment in time or for that specific journey. Yeah, you're spot on. Something that you touched on it is really interesting. You know, Starling's just been approved for you know its lending license, so we'll see where that goes. Because I think one of the problems is consumers feel product pushed. It's as if you're not actually putting me first. So I got a paper offer of a loan. Ugh, I just every time I log into the app, it's you've already pre-qualified for a fifty thousand pound loan. I'm debt free. I will never touch consumer lending ever again. I'm all right. Other people may but they don't know me and there's not many of me, which is why we exist because we're a bit weird. But then when I look at GIFGAF this month, lots of extra time on the 4G, 5G because the kids are isolating and here's the phone. And GIFGAF messaged me and said, you're coming close to your data allowance. We've given you an extra gig because it seems like you need it this month. So now attention to detail, and that wasn't someone knowing that, that was obviously tech, you know, understanding that people that come to us a certain threshold, let's do, that's a nice thing to do. I don't see that with banks. I see we have to get share of wallet. These are the kinds of products that we tend to profit from. Let's mass push and hopefully some will take. And I think what we want to have is... Can you have a purpose-driven bank? I'm not sure, but we want a profitable one because we don't want them to go under. Obviously, we don't know the answer. Otherwise, we'd be over at a bank making a lot of money solving it. But I think there is this thing missing, which is customer need versus getting share of wallet. And the interesting thing at the moment, and I've not got the figures, I read an article yesterday that ESG investing is flying and people are choosing purpose-driven organisations, environmental-driven organisations. And so it's just going to get even more important because the generations below us, you know, we're the older generations now, the Gen Zs, really care what people stand for and I don't know if lots of them do know what they stand for. One thing that Dharma and I have talked about and we were really interested in is the social side of things so you know you've had lots of success on places like Instagram and I know you've got quite a good following on TikTok as well. I think for a lot of organisations there's a bit of a blank spot so could you just talk about what your thoughts are on social media and how you use it and then how others could think about using it? Influence is a term that's bandied around and I don't necessarily know what the definition is. How many followers do you have before you become an influencer? And a lot of people that we speak to in the 
business world, I suppose, say it's a bit of a vanity score when you've got like how many likes have you got, how many followers. But I suppose the more followers you've got, the more reach you've got and the more people you can help. You know, our KPI is number of people helped. So social channels just enable us to have this scale. And a number of brands that we work with, um, financial brands, products that actually help people that we use, rely on us to be able to, I suppose, spread their message. Um, we've recently just delved a little bit into TikTok. It is brutal, by the way. <laughs> Laura will tell you, I'm not cut out for this. I like working in partnerships and I like doing business deals, but I do not like someone telling me on TikTok that we are rubbish <laughs> or that they don't <laughs> like what we're saying, of which they will freely tell you. Um, yeah, the platforms have just given brands and ourselves a platform in which to be able to scale our message and scale our help, most importantly. You were, I think, recently finalists on a TikTok competition, weren't you? So we entered that on the last day. Simon Squibb said, post a TikTok, 30 seconds saying why you want to be your own boss. And Holly and I had very recently left our jobs to be our own boss. And we had 30 seconds to condense, you know, our why, which was that we're building a financial wellness platform to help millions of people to be financially well. And that we'd had great success with our MVP PDF. We've had like IVF, a financial baby. Someone managed to have a second child. In fact, she's due any day. We'll wait and see. But someone managed to cash flow a baby because we taught them a methodology that helped. And someone else had paid off £27,000 worth of debt during furlough because of the way that we taught them to follow our plan. Because what we're doing is we're building an app, we're digitizing the playbook, so we're cash flowing it all, we're bootstrapping. And we thought our skill set is not top of funnel marketing growth. You wouldn't think that because we're based on social, but getting people off social to convert to take new products, kind of another beast that we're willing to learn more. And we thought, if anything, Simon is the kind of person that would help. And so that just shows you how quick. Enter, record a TikTok. I said to Holly, I've entered some competition. We might not win. Then we were like, oh my God, we're semi-finalists. We have to record a two-minute one now. Holly, come round to my house. We had one shot at it because we were both doing different things that weekend. Then we had to pitch to the most unbelievable panel, like the CEO of Mumsnet, um, some really impressive TikTok executives. Um, I can't even list them all. They were so impressive, these people, during the semi-final of the World Cup. So that was quite a stressful thing. Children running around, meant to be in bed. And it was a wonderful experience. And that platform, we now have networked with people, had our face out there, met Simon, who is just going to be so supportive of what we want to do, even though we didn't win all because of an online community that brings people together based on things that they resonate with or like to consume. And so these people, this IVF baby, would our community member have baby number two? Or would she always think, we can't put this on a credit card, we're just not going to do it? You know, these people that have got out of debt, that have managed to rebuild themselves after relationship breakdowns, these people that have built up um, house deposits and suddenly believe that home ownership is something they can achieve. I mean, mortgage companies and banks want ready for advice they don't want people early on they don't want to help people when they can't work out money mindset but they're missing out on a big chunk of people that could be ready for advice you know laura spoke to a couple of um their mortgage providers and they just wished if they did it all again that they'd start this journey much earlier we're talking about money journey again obviously there's a common thread here but they wish that they started this nurture journey instead of ready for advice they realize that they're missing out on this whole pool of people that will eventually be ready for advice and it's not that difficult to hold people's hand through these live triggers tend to find that people join the community when there's a live trigger i.e 
want to go through IVF or want to buy a house or are going through a divorce. And we call it get your shit together time and it really is. We ask people all the time, why do you come to us? I think the one question when you join our private community is what's your number one financial goal? And I think we can pinpoint three things that are the most common and it's always buying a house, paying off debt, and then it's either like pension, life insurance, something's happened in the life, yeah, investing where they go, I need to get my shit together. So we're just trying to capitalize on those life triggers. We could go on and on chatting about this. I think it's just such an incredibly interesting topic. I really hope things continue to go as brilliant as they are do for you. And obviously, Dharma and I are very happy to help. Love to have you back at some point just to kind of check in. But you know, we've been rambling on for a long time. So um, thank you so much <laughs> for joining us. You know, as I say, good luck with everything that you're doing. Thank, thank you. you so much, the 2Ds. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for tuning in to Dave and Dan Demystify. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault on SoundCloud. Be sure to connect with Dave Wallace and Darmish Mystery on LinkedIn. And until next time, ciao and have a marvellous week. The Dave and Darm Demystify Show is a production of NMD Plus, London, Chicago and Austin, Texas.